Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 21 through 29, called Light in the Darkness. Who is your light? Where do you get your light? Where do you get your truth? Where do you get your beauty? Where does it come from? God is light. And he wants to be the light, the beauty, the truth, the source of hope. All these metaphors that connect to light in our lives. And I'll tell you what, when the lights came on in my life some three decades ago, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The beauty of this God that made us in his image, the scriptures that I was beginning to understand for the first time. Do you remember those days? For those of you who have been Christians for a while, you'd read a passage and it was the first time you ever saw this truth about God, this light that had come into the world and come into your life. And so the light is shining. It's already shining. And Moses said, you must also, 25, let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. He's worthy We're not leaving anything. Therefore, our livestock, too, will go with us. Not a hoof, 26, will be left behind. Don't leave anything behind in Egypt, brethren. Don't leave a hoof behind. For we shall take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And until we arrive there, we ourselves do not know with what we shall serve the Lord Look at 25. You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings. You're going to give us some of your animals too, Pharaoh. Can you believe that? I think there was a little shortage in uh, Egypt at this time. Many animals had died in the hail and so forth. And what were they to do now? Well, they wanted Israel out of there. Ultimately, they're going to say, please leave. Okay, you can take the animals with you. Get out of here. Here's some jewelry. Here's a necklace. Here's a bracelet. Go. Right? Egypt was already ruined. Moses would not compromise. He would not come up one hoof short. (laughs) Amen? Don't leave anything behind in Egypt. Don't leave anything to fend for itself there. Egypt being a type of the world. Everybody with me? Egypt in quotes here. Don't leave stuff in the world behind. Take it all. I'll give you a sports analogy for you guys. Coaches will say, leave everything on the floor. If you lose this game, make sure you lost because the other team beat you. Not because you came halfway. Not because you showed up and decided that you wouldn't prepare yourself or you wouldn't play your hardest. Don't do that. And please don't do that with your Christian life. Amen? Don't leave a hoof behind. Leave it all on the floor. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. We've seen this over and over. And he was not willing to let them go. And Pharaoh said to him, to Moses, Get away from me. Beware. Do not see my face again, for in the day you see my face, you shall die. There's a couple of scriptures ahead of us where it may imply that Moses did see Pharaoh again. So some see this as a heat of the moment. Uh, Have you ever said that before to someone in an argument? 
I don't ever want to see your face again. <laughs> ever said that? Usually with some regret afterwards, right? And uh, what was it, the Gladiator movie where the, uh, the sister is found out for trying to uh, you know, get the emperor killed? And he says to her in a terrible moment in that movie, I don't ever want to see your face again. And she, she turns away. She won't look at him. And he threatens her with death. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. The Pharaoh is upset. And he basically says, get out of here. I'm sick of you. And if you see my face again, you will die. <laughs> Can you imagine that? How long... I mean, how many times do you think, I'm surprised it took this long for Pharaoh to threaten Moses with death, amen? I, I would have think that this would have happened very early on. But here's the irony. Pharaoh is about to experience what he is conveying because the darkness is a prelude to what's coming, the death of the firstborn in Egypt from the house of Pharaoh to every household that doesn't have the blood of the lamb. And the, the, here's what it says. There wasn't one house in Egypt where somebody wasn't dead. And the words that the Pharaoh spoke ominously are prophetic. And so he says, get out of here, new living. He shouted at Moses, I'm warning you, never come back to see me again. The day you see my face, you will die. And Moses, who was so fearful at the burning bush, I can't talk well, Lord. You got the wrong guy. Notice this. Moses said, you're right. You've spoken truth. You will never see my face again. <laughs> Gotta love it. Moses has gotten the baptism of boldness, baby. Come on. The guy who thought, no, I can't do it. Now he's saying, you're right, Pharaoh the most powerful leader, the alleged son of Ra, embodiment of light. You're right. You aren't going to see my face again because death is coming to Egypt. It is likely that Moses spoke the words of uh, Exodus 11, 4 through 8, part of the, as part of the conversation interrupted only by the prophecy of 11, 1, and uh, we'll get into this next week. This would explain Moses' great anger toward Pharaoh in chapter 11, verse 8. It's possible that Moses saw Pharaoh's face one more time. If you're taking notes, you can note chapter 12, verse 31, although some believe that it was simply a message from the Pharaoh and not a direct meeting. Now, the ninth plague of darkness precedes the tenth plague, which is the plague of the death of the firstborn in Egypt, the final one. But there's something else here that we need to see, and this is how we're going to round out our time this morning. We are about to study the Passover, and you all know that the 10th and final plague in Egypt is the death of the firstborn, preceded by a period of darkness. And here's, where, here's uh, some of the thoughts that I had. Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. And so forth. And even though it doesn't speak of birth order in Jesus's case, when God sent his firstborn into the world, Hebrews 1, 6, it says, let all the angels of God worship him. This is something that I just thought about. The darkness on the cross preceded the death of God's lamb, if you will. 
There are places where he is called the firstborn from the Father. Remember, that doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It speaks of his preeminence, that he has the uppermost rank. And yet there is a connection to Egypt and the plagues. Could not the darkness over all the land of Egypt that is associated with Israel's exodus be an appropriate parallel to the darkness over all the land associated with Jesus's exodus? I think so. And I want to show you a couple of passages. Let's turn all the way to Matthew 24. Jesus has been asked by the apostles, what will be the uh, sign of your coming in the end of the age? What should we look for? The sign of your coming in the end of the world or the end of the age. And Jesus gives them many signs to look at. But let's skip ahead for a second and let's look at Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 2430 of Matthew. Then the sign of the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and he will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. The sign that will precede the second Passover, if I could put it that way, is going to be a darkened sky. Some people say, well, maybe that's just a metaphor. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, a way to depict something else. But if there was literal darkness in Egypt for three days, could there not be literal darkness preceding the second coming of Jesus? Yes. And what is the second coming of Jesus? Two primary things. One is to rescue his elect from the four winds. We just read it from one end of the sky to the other. Rapture, pulling out God's people, almost like uh, Israel being pulled out of Egypt. The people go out, and then what happens? The day of the Lord is the judgment of God. Darkness preceding the judgment. But first, God's people are taken out. Then the judgment comes down. The darkness becomes a sign, the final sign preceding the Passover, the second Passover. Everybody with me? I'm talking about the second coming now. Here's something else. I want you to turn to Luke. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's a lot of scriptures I could share, but uh, for the sake of time, let's turn over to the gospel of Luke. We're going to look at chapter 23. I want to show you something that is affirmed, confirmed by secular history. Uh, several ancient writers confirm a dreadful darkness that happened during midday. And here's how Luke records it. This is Luke 23. Let's pick it up at verse 44. Luke 23, 44. Now it was about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. So from 12 to 3 p.m., the sun would be at, at its zenith. The land went dark. Darkness fell. You could say a deep darkness that could be felt. It fell over the whole land from 12 to 3. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. You know, since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on seven radio stations, one in Southern California, one in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The country where we have the second most listeners is India. Fewer than 3% of the population are Christians there. The hope of the gospel is getting around. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth by giving at least $5 a month and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness, and also contributing to the joy in learning God's Word and feeling Him close. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support has grown to nearly 35%, and we are praying for more listeners to become part of the Walk in Truth team. Can you become a Walk in Truth partner, or can you give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift today? Please help us reach 50% listener support before the year ends. Call 844-48-TRUTH to give or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-488-7884. 844-488-7884. One more time, 844-488-7884 or visit walkintruth.com. And Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. So from 12 to 3 p.m., the sun would be at its zenith, the land went dark. Darkness fell. You could see a deep darkness that could be felt it fell over the whole land from 12 to 3. The sun being obscured, Luke 23, 45, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and having breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. I want to show you one more. Go back to Matthew. Go to chapter 27. This is Matthew's version of the same uh, moments, but he gives us a little different insight. Matthew 27, look at verse 45. Jesus is on the cross. Matthew 27, 45 says these words. Make sure I get there myself. Now from the sixth hour... Darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Matthew 27, 46, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the whole world, there pressed a fearful, most fearful darkness. This is uh, from ancient writers. And the rocks were rent by an earthquake in many places in Judea. This is extra biblical sources. And other districts were thrown down. This darkness, Thallus in his third book of history calls, as appears to me without reason, an eclipse of the sun. Tertullian mentioned this event in his Apologeticum, a defense of Christianity written to skeptics. He says, at the moment of Christ's death, the light departed from the sun. The land was darkened at noonday, which wonder is related in your own annals and is preserved in your own archives to this day, close quote. When Tertullian was trying to convince skeptics in the ancient world about the reality of Christianity, the truthfulness of it, he appealed to an event that everybody knew about on a Passover afternoon. Everything went dark when it shouldn't have in the middle of the day for three hours. Three days of darkness in Egypt, three hours of darkness as the firstborn of the father, if you will. The Lamb of God is about to die. Now get this, brethren. What we're about to see in Egypt is this fearful darkness is going to be followed by instructions on the Passover. And God is going to say that every household is to take a lamb and they're to kill it on Friday of Passover week or Thursday, some people would argue, at twilight, three in the afternoon. And they're to take that blood and place it on the doorposts and the lentil of their house. Many believe making the sign of a cross. And God says, I'm going to pass over that night. And when I see the blood... I'm not going to judge that house. Wrath was coming to Egypt. And the sign of that wrath about to to commence was darkness. On the cross, the firstborn of the Father, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is there and darkness falls over the land as the Lamb of God is dying. And here's the message. I, the Father, am pouring out my wrath on my Son instead of you. And he's taking the wrath of God. And this affirms it because from the cross, in those dark moments, Jesus cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's drinking in the judgment, if you will, taking the wrath in our place. And the Holy Spirit weaves this tapestry together so we can see what's going on. We are spared the judgment. The Passover doesn't harm us because the blood of the Lamb is applied to our lives. Amen? That's the truth. That's the gospel. The good news that the one who made the sun, moon, and stars, who entered into time and space, would you just bow your heart with me, died in our place, the just for the unjust. Not some solar deity who made the world and said, good luck. No, a God who entered into our existence, our world, our pain. Heavenly Father, 
we know that the, the picture certainly is that God the Father so loved this world that he gave his son. Light came into our world. And how we need that light, Father. How desperately we need to see that Jesus is the light. And the one who is the light took the darkness of judgment to make sure we could be children of light. We could be spared the wrath of God. And we're told why. Because you so loved the world that you made, that you gave your son. And you gave him for Hebrews and Egyptians and Italians and people from every tribe, tongue, nation of people, people from Africa and Europe and Central America and South America. You love the world that you made. And the cross becomes a picture of a God who is holy and he must judge sin, but judges his son instead of us. And death passes over. And the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us with such an amazing love. Just take a few moments to just seek the Lord. He's not far from each one of us. If you just feel like you've been in a dark place, maybe you, maybe your faith's been hurting a little bit. Maybe you would say, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. Maybe you're watching right now and you're like, man, darkness fits my life better than light. Why don't you cry out to him? Cry out to the one who died on the cross for you. Something like this, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came into this world as the light of the world. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I trust you. It's my God, my King, my Savior, my Lord. I repent of my sin and I place my trust in you. Save me. Flood my life with your light. Thank you, Father. You are so faithful. You're so good. Thank you for the warmth and beauty of your light. I pray it would flood every heart on this day. And I thank you once again for fathers. May you bless them. Keep them. May your wonderful face shine upon all your people. May you give them shalom. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Light in the Darkness, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 21 through 29. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on what you heard in his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or maybe you need encouragement or prayer. Or maybe you'd just like to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Again, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. We had mentioned in a previous message at the plague of hail that the hail's hardness and coldness matched up to Pharaoh's heart. The darkness does as well. You know, Jesus talked about having a single eye fixed on kingdom priorities. And he talked about how 
if your eye is dark or filled with darkness, then your whole body will be. I'm kind of summarizing here, paraphrasing. But I think you remember the passage. It's in it's in Matthew chapter six. And I think there's something to see here that is important. The darkness is also a picture of Pharaoh's heart. Any heart without the light and love of God is dark, cold, um, obstinate, you could say calloused. And I think that's part of what we need to see here. A, a dark heart, I think of Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, and the classic tale about a Christmas carol and uh, Scrooge's dark heart gets flooded with the light of reality, the light of his mortality. And it leads him, and and this is not always clear in the broadcasts uh, of the, the movie, but it, re- it really leads him back to the creator, to the savior, who is a, the light of the world. God bless you. Have a beautiful weekend. Make sure you're in church worshiping the Lord and celebrating his arrival. And we'll talk to you very soon. God bless you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month or give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12 called Our Passover Lamb. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.